Rob Bro. He's your sports bro at KKAM.com and the Talk 1340 Rob Rose Show Talk, 103.9 News, Money Sports. I am the host. You are the co-host. 806-855-3712 is the text line. We can continue anything we were doing on the Raiderland. The best restaurant in your hometown. Dead or alive. We can talk... Two-word Tuesday, describe the Texas Tech Athletic Department. I think David Collier said it best, what's next? Um, in a lot of ways, obviously you have that describing the Texas Tech football program. That's their mantra, what's next? Whatever happens, bad, good, just focus on what's next. I think Coach Gerlich does a good job of, of focusing on what's next. Tim Tadlock, be where your feet are. He's been saying that for a long time. That's essentially what's next. Or more appropriately, what's happening right now. Not in the past. Kitley, otherwise, I think what's next is an appropriate moniker for the Texas Tech Athletic Program. But you're also... Even further than that, what's next in the men's basketball program? It's kind of a, what is next? If McCaslin's the head coach, what does that program look like? What does his staff look like? What does the roster look like? What's next? Can you maintain momentum? We also had a brief mention of the Gold Sox. The late Tony Gwynn threw Amarillo as a Gold Sox. Hey, I saw a stat the other day with uh, Tony Gwynn. He's the the leading assist guy for San Diego State. He had more assists in college basketball than he did strikeouts in a 20-year major league career. He had about 500 assists and less than 430 strikeouts. That's just a wild stat. 20-year career. Uh, some clarification on McDonald's, too. Somebody said McDonald's was their favorite restaurant, or the best restaurant from their hometown. Uh, the original McDonald's brothers started in a California suburb where a croc brought the rights and started a chain in Chicago. The McDonald's brothers continued to operate their store until Ray Kroc got crossways with them 
opened a McDonald's operation down the street to put the brothers out of business. You know, I've seen that movie, but I did not remember any of that. Sorry. Uh, Kim Mulkey wanted to dress like Ric Flair. Yes, that was awesome, though. Uh, some steak talk. I've heard of grilling a frozen steak on high heat. It gives a crust on the outside with a nice medium rare inside. Yeah. I, I'm generally uh, thaw, room temp, reverse sear guy when I'm cooking steaks at home. Or just a straight sear rest method. Butter-based, obviously. Uh, this texture, hey, bud. It's a new name for the for the show, Tally. Hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday. Can the Big 12 still maintain its toughest basketball conference mantra even though it doesn't have any teams in the Final Four? Your buddy, Grand Apollo. Um, yes. You had a national championship appearance and two straight national championships with schools that are staying in the Big 12. Um, Miami's really hot. They beat Houston and Texas. They were in and around. Kansas didn't have their coach. I, I kind of give them a pass this year. Um, and it's FAU, San Diego State... UConn and Miami, so it's not like the SEC or the Big Ten can take over. I mean, if it's not the Big 12, who is it, the ACC again, just because Miami got hot late? Uh, this texture, hey, Rob. Hey. <laughs> A waving emoji. What's up? Texas Tech baseball tonight uh, against New Mexico. They beat them 6-3 earlier in the year in Lubbock. Um, you need a win tonight. Not necessarily long-term, though the RPI does start to be an issue. New Mexico has a better RPI than some Big 12 teams, so it's not like a, a devastating loss if you lose tonight. But coming off a sweep against Texas... Being on the road still, heading into a weekend series that's pretty pivotal against TCU at home, um, you really need to start to get some momentum back. You need to have Zane Petty have a good afternoon, evening, whenever it is. You really do need to start figuring some things out. Uh, and if he pitches five innings, I I doubt he's the Sunday starter. But if he's really crisp and you score early, you might take him out early and have him pitch a couple innings on Sunday. I don't know. Um, I would assume if he goes five or six tonight, you're not throwing him this weekend and you're not throwing him next midweek. You're probably putting him back in the mid uh not back in, but you're debuting him in a weekend rotation role after that. Or maybe by the time he gets to North Dakota State, you're putting him in the weekend role. 
if he continues to succeed in the midweek. Now, Tabor Fast was not bad. Brennan Gurton has not been bad. Um, but you need you need a high level a higher level from your starters than you've been getting. If, you know, you have the grand aspirations that you do. Now they've been fine Big 12 pitchers. Uh, I, I'm not complaining about Brendan Curtin at all. I think Brendan Curtin would say that he needs to have a little more control, command. It'd also be interesting to see who's in the mix in the bullpen tonight. Uh, not only why and how you need these guys, but just who's the first out? Who needs more work? Who needs a fine-tuning before the TCU series? Uh, or if you have a guy out there for three or four innings, who's not going to pitch this weekend? Or at least till Sunday. This will be the final game suspension for Brandon Beckel who was suspended now two weeks ago against Oklahoma State, or at least a week and a half ago. It'll end up being two weeks by the time he pitches. Hurt you this weekend, and shouldn't hurt you tonight, but uh, New Mexico's a school, a team, a roster that was really good offensively early. Uh, have cooled down a bit since you played them, but they were one of the best offenses in the nation through their first 15 games. I think they were 12 and one or two. They're 14 and eight now, so they've had a rough stretch since you beat them. Uh, playing better teams. You should absolutely beat them again tonight. Uh, but that's something we can talk about for the rest of the hour. We can also talk uh, Texas Tech basketball. Grant McCaslin tonight against Wisconsin, University of North Texas. Um, if he's the guy, if they lose, he'll be the guy sooner. If he's the guy and they win, he'll be the guy later. Um, again, if he's the guy. I, th I think he is at this point. Uh, but you really are just waiting for North Texas, which, again, I don't love. We'll also get back to the tax line when we return. It's the Rob Bro Show Talk 103.9. News, money, sports. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. 
Rob Rocha, Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. We've got uh, Final Four starting in a couple of days. We've got the NIT. What is this? The Grade 8? What are they doing tonight? I don't even know. I will say this, though. I will at least tune in to some NIT basketball tonight. Not that I really want to or care to, uh, but in some ways, very few ways really, there is some intrigue there. Now, the very few ways just means that it's North Texas. Uh, But UAB, Utah Valley, they're at 8.30. Wisconsin, North Texas at 6 p.m. tonight, the semifinal in Orleans Arena, they're in Las Vegas. UAB a four-point favorite. North Texas a one-point five favorite. And I don't know that you're prepared for a total. The total in this game, last college basketball season, I had a system where I would bet 123s as unders. So if the or overs. If the line was at 123, I would just automatically bet the over. System play. If it was 123 or below, I would bet the over. Because more often than not, college basketball teams score more than that. This line is at 114 and a half. One fourteen. The pair of these teams average 65 and 64, which by my calculations is 130-ish, 129, but with the uh, rounding up, 131. Points against Wisconsin gives up 63.5. North Texas gives up 56. That seems like a low total. I understand it's tournament time. It's crunch time. We've seen a Big Ten school fall to a mighty defense before. Wisconsin's best player, the forward Crowell, 12.5 per game, 7 rebounds a game. Tyler Perry, 17.5 per game, points-wise. I think North Texas should win this game. Should. I mean, they're favored by a point and a half. Really low total, though. I'll, you know what? I'll go ahead and hammer the over at 114 and a half. Even knowing the defense, even knowing North Texas, knowing the slow plotting offense. The Big Ten style versus the North Texas style is going to be slow. You're going to have few possessions. But 114 feels ridiculous. Moderately ridiculous, if not 
outright ridiculous. Texas Tech baseball dropping a few in most of the polls. Right around 20 now. They've settled in right around 20. Oklahoma State at 17 in D1 baseball. Texas at 21. Texas Tech at 22. West Virginia at 24 now. They are the only teams in the Big 12 ranked. At the top, LSU, Wake Forest, Florida, Vanderbilt, Virginia, top five. Arkansas, six. And then Stanford, uh, on your schedule, Stanford, at seventh in the country. And you have to go to Stanford. That's going to be a really, really good series coming up. Uh, obviously, you have a lot of games before that. New Mexico, TCU, ACU, North Dakota State before you get to Stanford. Then you get back into conference play with Oklahoma. That's a long road trip with Stanford and Oklahoma Monday, Tuesday. That North Dakota State, a Thursday through Saturday series. When you roll into Stanford, you've got eight games before Stanford. Let's just go crazy and say you go seven and one. You beat New Mexico, ACU, you sweep North Dakota State, you go two and one against TCU. I think you'll be back around 15. If not, still around 20. Stanford, before you get down there, will have played a four-game set against Oklahoma. They're doing that this weekend. And then a three-game set at California, a Thursday through Saturday. Then you get Texas Tech. That is going to be the best non-conference matchup, the best midweek matchup probably in the country, Texas Tech-Stanford. Now before I just say that, let's, let's do a little bit of research. But I would not be surprised at all to see that matchup is one of the best In the country. And one that a lot of eyes are going to be on. Uh, So you'll have a top 20 matchup between Coastal Carolina and Campbell. Texas, Texas State. Connecticut, Central Connecticut. And then Texas Tech, Stanford. The rematch of the Super Regional where they just absolutely housed you. Then on Tuesday, you'll have Texas Tech-Stanford again. Kentucky-Louisville, which is going to be a good setup. Top 20 teams there. You've got some regional matchups like uh, Oral Roberts and Oklahoma State. LSU will be at Tulane. Another game with Texas State and Texas. Arkansas versus Little Rock, Arkansas. 
But nowhere in the country do you have Texas Tech, Stanford, maybe Kentucky-Louisville, which is a pretty good top 20 matchup by then, too. So most of the eyes of the country will be on you. That'll be a really, really good series, especially if you take care of business between now and then. Especially if you take care of business. And now, uh, all Big 12 baseball series at home are must-wins. That's just kind of how it works. Um, so this TCU series this weekend is a must-win series. It's not a must-sweep. It's just a must-win. Um, if you want to host at the end, you want to win most of your home games. If you want to host a regional, a super regional, if you want to win the Big 12, you got to win a bunch of games at home. By the way, Texas Tech, pretty good at home. Uh, you're also coming off a sweep, not only to Texas, but last year against TCU swept you. Um, you got to be feeling that pretty good. And you know Texas felt the double walk-off from last year. And they got you with a double walk-off this year. So, it is what it is in that respect, but really excited about the upcoming baseball schedule all the way through Stanford. Um, this is a really good stretch for you to boost your RPI considerably. And whereas last year you had Merrimack and the and the bunch, this year you're playing Stanford, and that will help your RPI even if you lose to them. But you want to you want to beat them in Stanford. All right, let's take the break. When we come back, more sports, more sports talk, more restaurant talk. More whatever you want to talk, talk. It's the Rob Bro Show Talk 103.9 News Money Sports. Rosho Talk, one of the point nine news, money, sports. This from the text line, 806-855-3712. Rupert. I don't know how I feel about Rupert. Uh, how confident are you in McCasland in leading the basketball program? Can he recruit or get transfers in? Can he develop relationships with players? Can he get them playing their best in March? Uh, I'm going to answer this in stages. Uh, And I'm going to start backwards. Can he develop relationships with players and get them playing their best in March? It feels like he does, yes. It is really hard to get to the NCAA tournament out of the Conference USA. Uh, He did that once, potentially could have done it twice if COVID hadn't wrecked the 2020 tournament. Uh, Certainly they are playing their best basketball right now in the NIT this season. I don't know about relationships being built in the locker room. I'm not in the locker room. 
Uh, but he has some guys that have been there for a while. Can he recruit or get transfers in? Here's my issue with looking at where he's been and judging his recruiting on that. It's Conference USA, it's North Texas. Had Mark Adams ever recruited at a high level as a head coach before he got here? Uh, Not stars-wise. Now, he found some pretty good players, and they were pretty good. But as far as like four or five-star recruits, which most people would say is the point of recruiting nowadays. I think that gets conflated a little bit, but uh, don't know because a lot of those guys don't go to North Texas. Uh, His best player, Tyler Perry, was a transfer from uh, Community College, I believe. Played two years at North Texas, averaging 17.5 points per game. His team averages 64. So he's far and away the best offensive player on that team. Uh, How confident am I in McCaslin leading the basketball program? Um, I, I would like to see the staff. If... If you get a high level offensive assistant and McCasland is an alpha and can lead that program and there's no well let me put it this way there's a certain amount of tension in between the two but you're it's obvious that McCasland is the leader um I would be very happy with that and I think I think Texas Tech basketball would be in good hands um, but no, I can't say with 89% certainty that I'm just like ecstatic that he won't fail. Most basketball coaches fail. I mean, there are very few hires that are home runs long term. I mean, you could name a bunch of them, but just how many, I mean, there's 300 jobs in basketball. At least half of those are failures, if not more. How many successful seasons were there this year out of 330? 50? Now, it depends on the program and all that. Yeah, I get it, but... How's the North Carolina hire working out? He just went to a national championship game and then he didn't make the tournament. Is that a good hire? For North Carolina? Uh, Dear bro, how are you? I'm fine. I'm fine too. Hypothetically speaking, if your wife was building her dream home in Denton County, would you convince her to build a house twice as big in Lubbock with the new money you're being offered? Or do you just say happy wife, happy life, and let her build her dream home in Denton? Uh, I mean, how long, how far along is the process? A. B, you can have multiple homes making a salary that he's going to be making. I don't know how old his kids are. 
I know he has a bunch of kids, right? Uh, I would assume they are going to want to be in Lubbock with him. Uh, and I'm assuming his wife will also be in Lubbock with him. I, I don't think the house needs to be twice as big. But hypothetically, uh, if, you're, if your wife wants you to have a great career, a move to Texas Tech from North Texas is more than just building a dream home. And I also think they probably knew it going into it. Hey, we're building a house in Denton, but I might leave. I don't think that's a big uh, mix up there. Hey, Rocky, if you could pick one coach from the G5 to lead tech basketball, not named Few or McCasland, who would you get? Dusty May. Uh, can I also get a power ranking this week on Asian dining in Lubbock? Uh, we can certainly do that on Thursday. I will pencil that in for Power Ranking Thursday. Uh, but I will tell you my new my new thing lately has been uh, pho. Went to a new pho place, District One, I think is it's called over there uh, on Nineteenth and Quaker. It was delicious. Big pho guy. Uh, but I will power rank um, certainly when I get to Thursday. And I think I know who that number. Uh, I would say Choo Chai is probably on his list. I think. We'll have to see what ends up on my list on Thursday. That feels like a natural break time when we come back. Wisconsin, North Texas... Women's basketball, Bree Scott, and more. It's a Rob Bro Show Talk 103.9 News, Money Sports. Welcome back. Rob Brosho Talk, 103.9 News, Money, Sports. The NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament has seen some major growth this year. In the early rounds, it was up 25%. In the Sweet 16, thanks to Caitlin Clark from Iowa, who many say is one of the best basketball players, regardless of division in college basketball. And I tend to agree Maybe the most exciting player in college basketball still playing. And South Carolina, uh, who is the biggest, you know, Don Staley and, and everything else. I, I just, I feel like they've made more of an effort. To get it out there, to advertise. And that has related to growth. Uh, 25% up to now and then in the Sweet 16, 75% growth year to year. So in 2022, it was 75% smaller viewership. That is incredible growth. And could it be a one-off thing because it's Caitlin Clark? Sure. Maybe everyone was just watching her. 
But you also go back to, you know, media members, outkick media members, trying to say that ESPN was woke because they were covering college basketball. Just happened to be the women's teams. Oh, by the way, ESPN carries the women's teams. They should be covering those games over the men's basketball games because the men's basketball games are on CBS. You can still do your tournament bracket challenge and get your clicks however you want to, but you should be covering the games that are on your stations. That's not crazy talk. The NIT, the women's tournament. I watched uh, some of the South Carolina game last night at the bar. Good action. Speaking of women's basketball, uh, Bree Scott is headed to Houston to hoop with some of the nation's best. Uh, Bree Amber Scott has accepted an invitation to play in the college three-on-three U showcase. Catch all the action Sunday night at 9 p.m. on ESPN2. Uh I don't remember where I was, but I was in a hotel somewhere a long time ago. And I remember watching Andre Emmett in the dunk contest. It's now an iconic dunk. He jumps over a whole crowd of kids. Dre loves the kids. Hopefully, Bree Scott gets some moment like that, hitting a a big three or whatever else in the the three-on-three team skills competition that she'll be going in uh, participating in. That's Sunday night at 9 p.m. on ESPN2. All right, we've got some issues on the text line. Some It's long issues, so let's talk about it. My issue with McCaslin is I keep comparing him to how I felt about McGuire. I was excited about Joey. I could feel the passion and excitement. I knew he could recruit and brought in a top-tier staff. It was definitely a gamble, but it's already paying dividends. With McCaslin, it's just meh. Not anything bad, but just not anything great. I just don't feel the excitement that I had for McGuire, and maybe that's my fault. Nobody can be Joey. Yeah, here's a couple of things on that. There was a massive social media movement for Joey that built up Joey even before he got here. Uh, the hashtag hire McGuire from lots of accounts. Really building him up. Uh, but that was not the first choice. Jeff Trailer was the first choice. Then you fell back on Joey and uh, there was lightning in a bottle. And then you have the binder or whatever. Uh, with McCaslin, you also had that as a midseason hire to where right when he got in, he was recruiting. And he got two recruits, boom, boom, from his old high school. Like, the first night he was hired. Before his press conference. You also saw the staff he was building in the next couple of weeks. And then got to build your excitement. I think if you go back to before Joey got to put a staff together. You might have been feeling these same reservations. Now, if you knew... If you were in the mix, if you knew what Baylor had been doing in recruiting, James Blanchard was a big name. But I would say to the general fan, a lot of people probably didn't know James Blanchard when he got on the plane with Joey. You know him now. 
Um, if McCasland is the guy, and we've been talking like he has been for the last 24 hours here, at least on this program, longer on other programs. Uh, I think you, like, let him get a staff first. <laughs> like, um, if he shows up with, let's just spitball a, a former D2 national championship coach as his second in command. And then let's say brings back, I don't know, Al Pinkins. And then hires some other sitting head coach as his chief of staff that's about to retire, like a like a Lon Kruger when he went to UNLV. I know he went to, there with his son, but if you go get some experienced old head coach to come in and be the chief of staff, like now you're starting to say, okay, well, it's a pretty good staff. And then if he gets a recruiter too, if Tyler Perry follows, if some of the guys stay, if Elijah Fisher says, oh, yeah, I like that guy, let's let's come back in. Oh, Pinkins is coming back. Let's let's keep Elijah Fish. Like, if some of that starts happening immediately, I think you'll change your tune. Um, but we don't know. We don't know if it'll happen or not. But there was much more of a buzz for Joey McGuire, and that's also like because it's football, maybe. And it was mid-season, and the season was still happening. And Sonny Cumbie also had a lot of buzz. Because you beat Iowa State and you got to a bowl game and there was some success at the end of that year and you beat Mississippi State and that led into some excitement for the next football year. This, you nosedived to end the year. Nosedove? Took a nosedive? <laughs> Whatever grammatically correct sentence that is. Uh, you finished on a low note. You didn't finish on a high note like football, which built you up and made you excited. You tanked, and you also have a whole year under Joey to be excited, and you got a, you know, a huge boost in your recruiting. McCaslin's not going to get that opportunity. He'll be able to fill out a, a, a transfer class, and will be immediately noticeable if he can recruit transfers or not. But the high school class is already cooked; it's already baked; it's already on the counter. So. And in basketball, maybe you do need to do transfers more, but uh, I agree it's a different feel, but I think there's reasons for that. Uh, here's a picture of Michael Keaton <laughs> from the McDonald's movie. What are your thoughts of a dynasty in the NCAA tournament in Connecticut? Uh, women's program until this year made 14 consecutive Final Four appearances. How does that compare to the UCLA and John Wooden era? Is UConn... Uh, I, I actually would say this. UConn... is... Dynasty is the wrong word, but I think UConn's a blue blood basketball program, men's and women's. Obviously, in the women's, uh, but they have more national championships in Kansas in uh, the last twenty years. Yeah, they've had a lot of success. I wouldn't say they compare to John Wooden. I would say Gino Ariema with the women's 
team, and the run they had is probably the closest to John Wooden. Probably even more impressive because there's more teams he had to get through. All right, we'll take the break for the day. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. On the Raiderland, I've been Rob Bro, be Rob Bro. We'll see you then. The views and opinions expressed by the participants on this Talk 1340 program are not necessarily the views of Talk 1340, its advertisers, staff, management, or Town Square Media.